Hey, this is Joya, and you're watching Studio One. Hey. All right, all right, all right. Uh, this is Studio One. Um, Joya, it's an absolute pleasure to get you in here. Oh my god, um, no, thank you for having me. For, for sure, for sure. Uh, again, uh, I know you. I just said your name, but introduce yourself and let the people know who you are and what you're about a little bit. I am Joya. I am an upcoming R&B artist, I guess you could say, in Toronto, and I make a lot of music, and I sing a lot of songs, and I write down my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> that is like literally the best way to describe it. So, um, I know in the beginning, all the majority of your time when mm -hmm. you're starting to get into music and to sing, you were put in a church choir. Can yeah. you touch upon that and why, I guess, your parents thought you should get into that? Like, were there like musical senses in the family that were pushing you that way? Yeah, so music definitely started very, very early. Um, when I was born, I my dad would always play music around the house. The musical side definitely stems from my dad's side, more so than my mom's. Um, but yeah, he, there was never really any pressure from an early age. I was just very naturally inclined towards it at a young age. So when I was like three months old, I would be banging on yeah. you remember those little casio pianos yeah, like the boom, with boom, the boom. yeah you press yeah. the the button and a it's beat goes off yeah so i would play on that when i was about three months old um so my parents just noticed that i was getting really into music singing around the house just naturally so when i turned six um a lot of kids were starting that's the kind of normal age to start music lessons but I think my parents kind of wanted me to try it out first to see if I actually liked it yeah. because my parents have always been very, very supportive in everything I do, but never in a sense that they're forcing me to do anything. Like it's your choice. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's my choice and they fully support it. Um, so when I was six, our church had a kids choir. Um, so they decided to kind of put me in there, see if I liked it or not, and I really loved it. So then after that, I think I had been doing it for around four years. I started actual music lessons when I was 10. And like that transition into mm -hmm. like, it seems like not a massive, massive step, but it is a big step. So like when you start doing vocal lessons and you have like a teacher and you're learning how to like sing, mm -hmm. like what were like the, I guess the early like struggles or really finding your voice? Like how was that? It was definitely a lot of fun at first. I think the novelty of it is yeah. always very fun. Um, but it definitely became more challenging, I think, around my mid-teens because I was having this kind of internal struggle. My vocal teacher at the time was like, why don't you try writing songs? And I was like, I can't write songs. What do you yeah. want me to write about? I'm like 13. I have no problems. I'm here to sing. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so then when I started getting more heavily into writing around 16, I want to say, um, I was still doing a lot of lessons that were very based on classical music. So I was definitely having this internal struggle where I was thinking to myself, oh, I'm giving all, I'm putting all this time into practicing classical singing and classical piano. And now I want to spend more time focusing on writing my own songs, which at that time stemmed a little bit more from a pop background. Yeah. Um, so I was definitely having this struggle where I really don't want to do classical lessons anymore. I just want to do my own thing. And that was when my parents stepped in a little bit and they were like, I, we feel like you should finish it. Just see it through, finish your classical repertoire, do your exams, and then you can decide what you want to do from there. So I think, and then I think 
the other main struggle was when that was the first time I really started performing when I started taking lessons because my music school would do these quarterly events where it was just like they would have these first, second, and third prizes, but it was more of a showcase of all the students. Yeah. They would do like a Christmas show and then they would do their yearly um, competition in the summer. So that's that was the first time I'd actually started performing because when you're in church choir, you're you're part of something. You're yeah. performing as part of a group, but my first time going up and performing by myself was kind of around that. So that was definitely a little bit scary, but. Do you hmm. remember, like, I was going to, like, add on to it, too. Like, when you were, like, going the more pop route mm-hmm. and stuff like that, who were, like, the artists that I guess you were, like, drawing yourself towards to? Because I know, like, classical, like, you're not. Exactly. You're not Beethoven on your Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me probably. just Mozart this. Yeah, right. and really like ironically now sometimes i do listen to like chopin or like beethoven or yeah. mozart but i'm mature now i have a palate <laughs> <laughs> right but um those artists definitely at the time um alicia keys was one of them and she stemmed from more of an r&b soul genre but her songs were definitely still more mainstream because she was like she was a huge artist at the yeah. time while i was growing up Um, But the interesting thing is she also stemmed from classical piano. Uh, And then, but more the pop, pop route, I was definitely into Ed Sheeran a lot. I loved Ed Sheeran. And I had also listened to a lot of early Taylor Swift, like before she kind of went her whole, when she was still kind of singer-songwriter Taylor Swift. So when I was getting into music, um the artist that I had originally seen myself being was like an Ed Sheeran or an earlier Taylor Swift where I would just, you know, get on stage and it was just me and the piano or me and my guitar. And I was writing all these, you know, love songs about being an early teenager because that's what I was at the time. Um, So, yeah, early on, I'd definitely say those were the artists, but Ed Sheeran mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, on the note of, like, performing for the first time mm-hmm. like this is like hilarious for me but like yeah like when i was in like the second grade i like did a talent show and i did like and sick ironically enough no. i was a part of a group just like you kind of were and i did like a solo thing oh, yeah i know my so in gosh. grade two you know when i had like i guess the aspirations of being a singer you know we all do i guess i did end sync bye 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 literally classic i was the singer i had two other people behind me classic and then like hilariously enough you know, like, Justin Timberlake went solo? Yeah. So, like, ironically enough, like, in grade six, I did Justin Timberlake again for my talent show. I did, mm-hmm. lo- I did Losing My Way. Oh, off, great song. Which, classic song. Great song. And I went solo. But, like, I think, uh, I guess I just, like, went away from that. Yeah. Like, when I went to middle school and stuff I like that. I would pay any person know, right? of your family just to, to show see. me that video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's never, it's never gonna, like, show up or anything. But, yeah, yeah. like, that was, like, amazing. But, like, for me, like... It was, like, my elementary school, so it was, like, the auditorium, but mm-hmm. you have, like, 20, 30 people. Yeah. So, like, when you perform for the first time and, like, you continually perform, yeah. like, how is it, like, going on stage and that whole, like, experience? Now more so, I get more excited now than I get nervous because I feel like I'm finally at this place where I'm confident in what I'm doing and I just feel like I'm making art that's really true to myself. So now... When I perform, I think before a lot of the days, like, you know, I had started performing in my school talent shows too, but that was at 
kind of around the same time that I started my music lessons and everything. But still, when you're performing at a school talent show, you're doing covers, right? You're doing like the Justin Timberlakes and the Rihanna. Oh my God, Rihanna. Like it was We need the album, girl. Oh, I know, right. She's good with her makeup. I I know, I know. (laughs) She's good with her clothes, everything. But the, um, the Empire. Fenty Empire. There you go. But um, yeah, so definitely when I was performing in school, you do like the covers. So I think it was more about, I have to sing this really well because everybody knows this song and I want to impress all my friends, right? So before it was kind of that mindset. So sometimes you get really nervous. You're like, oh my God, am I going to sing okay? Like, I hope my voice doesn't crack. Oh my God, what if my voice cracks? What if I forget the words? Um, and then even performing more so throughout my teens and even you know, when I started university, I was still in this, like I had gone through so many different musical genres. I still didn't know which one I wanted to be in, what kind of artist I wanted to be. Um, So when I was in that stage, it was very difficult for me to get a grasp on, you know, who I wanted to portray when I was up there. Yeah. Um, So that made me very nervous because I was like, oh, what if like what if people don't like my music I, I really want people to like this and I think that mindset was because I wasn't so sure that I even fully liked it for you know the type of artist that I wanted to be yet um and that was perfectly fine like 18 19 20 year old Joya was like in a huge identity crisis and that's okay yeah. because now she's now she's cool she's like she's chilling yeah but so now the performances are more it's it's just me kind of going up there and jamming out and just sharing what I've created with people. And I've come to the terms that some people are going to love it and some people are not going to like it because they have different musical tastes. And that's like, it's perfectly that's fine. totally, yeah, that's totally yeah. cool. So even when I was growing up, like I uh, like mentioned, like listening and singing like, and all those things, I definitely loved listening to other genres too, like mm-hmm. house and stuff like that. I know like for a good time you were like EDM and house and oh, yeah. the DJ part. Talk to me about like some artists that like you were really into at the time and like mm-hmm. talk about DJing because I know like just prior to like releasing, like the, going the R&B soul route, you were yeah. on that. So talk it about was. that. Um, DJing is fun. I love it. I still do it sometimes, but I was definitely into like big room house, all the festival stuff. And I was like, house music forever. Now it's definitely taken, you know, like more soul techno disco sometimes. It's really cool. Um, but the artist, the group that got me into EDM, the first EDM show that I ever went to was Swedish House Mafia when they did their one last tour here in Toronto at the Rogers Center. And I will never, ever forget that night because to me at that time, I think I was like 16 or 17. And I just remember being in that room full of people. And Swedish House Mafia, I think, was just, you know, a cornerstone of EDM and they always will be. So for a lot of people who still love or were really into that genre you know everybody knows who Swedish House Mafia is and like their songs were just it wasn't even about the production because they're all three of them they're amazing producers but even the lyrical content like the songs had a lot of emotional meaning so going to that concert and just having everybody in that room just screaming out the songs and then exactly and then the production of that show like I mean it's just these 
three DJs with this little DJ controller and it was just an entire sold out arena and the production is going and the lasers are going and you're with all your friends and you're making friends and it was just like it's like community exactly so that I loved that sense of community and then from then I was like I'm gonna learn how to produce I'm gonna learn how to DJ I'm gonna be a female DJ and I'm gonna sell at the Rogers Center so I went home that day and I started tinkering with GarageBand. Um, I bought my first little Pioneer DJ controller. Um, my parents got it for me as a Christmas present that year. So then once I started getting more into it, I got into Logic. So then started producing on Logic Pro. And then I kind of got tired of house music and I was like, which, at least of making. Which is completely normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you can only listen to like yeah. a build up and a drop so yeah. many times before you're like, oh my God. And then I noticed that when I was producing, I was putting so much time into learning production that singing and songwriting, which were what I had originally started with, kind of took a back seat yeah so i wasn't singing as much and i wasn't writing as much and then i noticed that i started to miss that for it's funny because for me like when it comes to like i guess edm or house or that like the whole world me like i really love like trance so like like Above there's like a beyond. group called like motorcycle and mm-hmm. like paul van dyke and mm-hmm. like daniel Bedingfield, which is kind of like garage but like yeah because like yeah that's like that's kind of like the world that i was into so yeah. when oh I, the uk house music scene. yeah oh like so yeah. when i went and read like you're into edm and house i'm like that's that's yeah. so cool but yeah like on that note like listening to like multiple genres and like having production experience like talk about how like important it is to like have an open mind in music and to like ta- like put your hands in so many different like fields because being a dj or like producer yeah. and stuff like that absolutely well i mean to start off if you know how to DJ and say that you're at your own show and maybe your DJ is like not going to be able to make it, you're good. Because you're like, I can hop on. Exactly. But um, no, I definitely say in terms of the creation process and keeping keeping an open mind, um, it definitely helps because I feel like you see things from a lot of different perspectives and it also, you know, it opens your mind to maybe working with other producers even though they're not in your genre because again they may see things from different perspectives and it might just add something to the track or take the track in a completely different direction that you weren't expecting but that everybody loves and sounds amazing. Um, And I feel like even though I learned how to produce in an electronic genre, the techniques that you learn from producing they stick with you through any genre that you try to produce. It's just maybe, you know, a different instrument set or electronic music uses very, very nice clean drums where you might be making lo-fi hip hop and you need to take off some frequencies or use a little bit dirtier of a snare or something. And, you know, you have to learn to work with different things, obviously in different genres, but having that um, core knowledge of production, it definitely it keeps you on a level on a level playing field when you're working with another producer and it it really helps you appreciate where you're coming from because sometimes um some producers will tell me you know sometimes you're working with musicians that know nothing about production and they expect that everything can be done in two seconds or they're trying to explain an idea and nobody really knows what they're trying to say because they're just they're like oh make this sound like this and do this and then you're like okay what do you actually mean, right? 
So it definitely puts you on a more level playing field when you can use you can use the same vocabulary as them. Um, things get done a lot more, a lot faster. Not faster, but it's also easier to do things because you can just say, oh, you know, like turn down this frequency or add this filter, or, like put a delay on there and then like pan it, right? Exactly. So it, it makes it a lot easier. And then I think it also, the level of respect is there because when you've produced your own things, you know the amount of work that goes, that into, goes it. into it. So you can just, you know, appreciate somebody else's creative process or appreciate the time it may take to do something. So on that note, I know in 2019, Legends EP and on the note of collaborating, um, talk about that EP and going to R&B and stuff like that and working with Hamlet and how, how oh, I could already tell, like, yeah, jump, jump into that. Yeah, um, so Hamlet and I have been working together closely, I think, for the past two, two years, maybe a little more, maybe just short, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we've, we've known each other for a long, long time. We were friends way before that. And we had just kind of lost contact. And then I saw him pop up on my Facebook feed one day, like four or five years later. And I was like, hey, man, what's up? We both used to be really into house music. Uh, but he's a bit older than I am. So he told me that I'd get really tired of festival music. And I was like, you're wrong. He was right. Yeah. But that's besides <laughs> the point. Um so I just decided to ask him what he was doing with his music. And then we showed each other a bit of what we were doing. Um, he sent me a couple tracks to write over. And I think by like the next day, the next two days, I'd sent them back to him. And that's when we were like, okay, you know what? Let's make this. Let's have a couple more sessions, see how it goes. And then it just turned to a weekly thing, which we still do. So we still see each other every week and we we create and we compile and we brainstorm and we and it's just it's really easy working together because when you come from a background of being friends for so long one it just helps you work together like on a human to human level it's natural exactly it's totally natural and whenever we're together it's just the egos are completely gone it's you know like let's shoot out an idea if we reject it we reject it like it's it's just we're making music and we're doing whatever is best for the track um so yeah hamlin and i we've just like been working for so long just developing this catalog of music and now it's cool because we get to kind of compile everything and see what can go into what project or what's good for which project what's good as a single so we have a lot of things and now we can kind of plan around it um, but yeah, when the Legends EP came out, that's when we had been working together for just over a year. And I was like, you know what? We've been working together, building this catalog. And at that time, I was like, I feel like I finally found my sound as an artist because when we had started working together, that was the time where I had just kind of figured out, like I went through five name changes before I came to Joya. Yeah. And then I was like, Right before we started working together, I was like, okay, this is what I want my name to be. I'm Joya. I'm good with this. And then I had, I was still coming out of that house music production. So now I was starting to experiment with a little bit more R&B. But the thing with R&B, this was right before the Toronto kind of R&B sound kind of blew up. Yeah. And the Toronto R&B sound, it's a very modern, like 
nice clean in the box kind of r&b whereas the r&b that i grew up listening to was a bit more it was a bit more lo-fi it was a bit more organic yeah um you know not as many not as many auto-tune voices not saying that that's a bad thing it's just like a stylistic difference right of the two eras um so what was really cool was I came from a very clean, streamlined production for making all this electronic stuff. And Hamlet came from a very organic live instrument production because he also produces R&B, but he also plays a crap ton of instruments. And he's very modest about it, but he can just like... Keys are his main instrument. He goes on keys, he can play anything. Then he picks up a guitar, then he picks up a bass. And yeah. I'm like, okay, relax. Like, <laughs> I, I can twiddle my fingers on a piano and like, I can sing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, we, like, we, we get it. Exactly. Relax. But um, no, so then when we combined our two styles, it was this really cool mix of electronic R&B and then live organic instrumental R&B. So I think that that's something that our sound has really evolved into and you know he's his own producer and i'm also my own solo artist but that's why we decided to kind of split our projects up like we actually just oh no yeah we actually just released a couple singles and then we're gonna have i'm gonna be releasing an entire collab ep with him that's coming out november 1st whoop whoop um but that sound if you listen to that and my legends ep Wow, which was the original question that I strayed very far from, but I'll get back to <laughs> yeah, that. You're getting back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm getting back to it. Okay. It's circling back. But the Legends EP, that was like my first introduction to the world. I was like, this is what I've been working on. This is who I am. And it's a very, a lot of people have said, oh, you know, this is R&B, but it's a bit different than what we're hearing. And it's like, one of the first comments we got was, wow, this is really cool. Like, this is, you know, it sounds like new R&B, but I really like the live instruments. Like it's it's a really cool mix of both. And yeah. that's what we were both that's really going for. for. Yeah. But I definitely say that my sound as a solo artist, it's a bit darker, a bit more soulful. A lot of people are like, oh, your music's so sensual. I'm like, okay, that, that's the word to describe it. But yeah, it, it's a bit darker. Um, and then anything that we've released together as a collaborative project, it's... It's a bit lighter, it's a bit more upbeat, and it sounds a bit more organic. So the two sounds are very the same. Like we mix electronic and live, but mine is mine strays a little bit more to the electronic song song, electronic sound, and then anything that we release collaboratively is a bit more towards the live sound. So And like on the note of like all of those like amazing things, like releasing the EP, working with Hamlet. I think from the time like in January till now, like you've constantly been either releasing music or doing shows and all these things. What to you like has been like major highlights where you've gone to yourself, "Wow, this is this is insane." Because mm. I know you, uh, I can't remember what the show was, but I know you opened up for an, uh, I think it was an Asian group. I can't oh, I was just gonna. Yeah. That was definitely and I know, like yeah, yeah. So I definitely say highlights were one releasing the Legends EP because that was my first release being sure of who I was as an artist and it received such a great response from people and I I was I was so happy about that. 
Um, but yeah, that one show. So I did. I haven't really released music. I haven't released any solo music since then. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. But soon. it's coming. It's coming. But um, in turn, yeah, I played a, a lot of shows starting from that. And the one, yeah, the the highlight was definitely we opened for this K-pop group called Epic High. To be honest, I wasn't. I wasn't too, like, the name sounded familiar, but it wasn't like I hadn't familiarized myself with a lot of their music, but yeah. the opportunity came up and listened to a few songs, and I was like, okay. Like, the songs that I had listened to were kind of this cool R&B sound, and I was like, okay, like, we fit this, and yeah. it's cool. Um, I looked at their individual profiles, and they all had, like, over a mil followers, and I was like, oh, Okay, then it hit me when we got to our soundtrack. This was at the Phoenix. So I think the cap at the Phoenix is like 1400 something. Yeah, some like yeah, 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 1415, yeah. something like that. We got to our soundtrack at six. Doors opened at seven. When we got there at six, the lineup was already like down the block and around the corner. And we all looked at each other and we were like, oh. Oh, this oh. is real. Yeah, we're like, <laughs> okay. But still... You know, being an opener, we went out right before we went out. We were expecting to play to maybe like a half filled room. Yeah. We got out on the stage and it was like rammed all the way to the back. And we looked at each other and people asked me that just like you asked me now how our performance is. I used to get really nervous and now I'm like, I'm chill. I'm confident and like I'm happy with what I'm playing. So it's cool. Yeah. I was shitting myself a little bit that night. Like I, I walked out on there and then <laughs> Hamlet looks at me. He's like, he's like, okay, say something, say something. And I was like, okay. Engage, so engaged I, audience. Yeah. So I was like, all right. So I introduced the entire band and then um, we started playing. And then the first line I sang after that, everybody started cheering and we were like, okay, we're, we're in this. Like, this is good. So then after that, the set was just like, it felt like we were all jamming as usual. But that was definitely a highlight, like playing to a sold out Phoenix crazy and i know um <laughs> when i was at the drew york uh conversation you had yeah. mentioned that like something that's important to you is like the idea of a debut album and mm -hmm. like building towards that mm -hmm. um in your mind like after the collab <laughs> with hamlet comes out do you see that being the next step for yourself a debut album or are you still just crafting songs where, where are you at right now i'm still crafting uh, there's definitely there's definitely a project coming after that, but it's not going to be a full album yet. Um, I I feel like when I do a full album, I really really want to be working with. I want to be at the stage where I can work with a lot of different musicians and involve as many people as I possibly can. Just because I feel like this city not only has so many artists that are in the forefront to offer but there are just so many behind the scenes musicians that are just like insanely talented that i've met through doing all of these different shows and they're just insanely talented at you know whether it be at songwriting or playing guitar or playing sax or drums or whatever it may be i just want to be able to work with as many different people as possible and yeah work with different producers as well i always tell everybody i'm like everybody's like oh so what's this relationship with you and hamlet like are you t like are you your own artist are you a collab group i'm like 
think about it like this hamlet is like my 40 and then everybody's yeah. like oh i get it yeah. and i'm like okay there we go <laughs> so i feel like as much as it's gonna be a passion project for me um it's gonna be great for hamlet to kind of sit down and just executively produce everything but i definitely want to you know get an album that sounds really cohesive but that also experiments with a lot of different sounds so once i think it's gonna take time but i still want to keep releasing you know singles and projects and you know little because i say that every piece of work that i create i like to have a narrative and i like to tell a story and i like people to kind of look at it and be like okay i get this i get this project i get the artwork i get the order of the songs i get the content of the songs like why these four songs are grouped together so whether it's an ep or a single i definitely want to keep releasing projects but when the time comes and i have that you know list of songs that i just feel really work together in like a 12 14 song album then i'll i'll put it out and the cool thing too is like i've like i've talked to like a bunch of artists recently and like usually i would like ask you like oh like how do you see next year like panning out right but the cool thing is like not only is next year like a new year it's a new decade i know like we're entering like the 2020s Crazy. which just sounds like so futuristic and like exciting i know I so know, like crazy on that note like again like how do you see like next year like panning out for you guys and mm-hmm. just like even the rest of this year as well but just like on the note of the idea of it being a new decade like touch upon that because even for me i'm just like that's intense it's like, crazy the decade is done yeah it's crazy i definitely think uh you know mentally it's you're you're starting fresh i mean every year is kind of like a new start but now it's kind of like you don't write 2019 or like something teen it's like 2020 like it's here right so i think mentally it's a very fresh start but you know it kind of puts me having that nice clean start of like on a zero it's just kind of like you start to think a little bit more long term. At least I do. So right now, you know, I'm thinking of 2020 and I'm thinking of the year, but I'm also thinking like, what do I want to have done by 2025? And like, where do I want to be by the end of the decade? Like, what do I want the next 10 years to hold for myself? 2030. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> like, that's so intense. Yeah, but um, it's kind of like, it puts, it makes me sit back and ask myself, what do I really want to accomplish in the next 10 years? And... I mean, one thing that I try to constantly remind myself is it's your life. You can do whatever you want with it if you try hard enough. So it's just kind of like, where do I want to be? Where do I want to put myself? Just kind of having everything there so that I can try to manifest it as best as I could. I know we were talking about this right before, but try to manifest it. I definitely see myself, you know... I don't see myself stopping making music. That's that's one thing for sure. Sh- like for sure. Yeah, it's never gonna be out. Never. Um, but I mean, I definitely see you know a couple of projects for the next year. I d- I wanna I wanna stop for my my whole one year hiatus. Like release one EP in January and then yeah. like boom, that's it. One project a year. No, I definitely want to release a couple of projects, but I think by. By 2025, I'll definitely have released that nicely crafted album. And I really see myself. I mean, the people that I've met through my shows, 
it's just I love creating that organic fan base and the people that I've been so blessed to meet people that have just genuinely really loved my music and loved who I was as an artist so I just hope to keep building that building that you know really organic fan base that has a true love and appreciation for music as a craft yeah and the important thing is too like even for like the past couple of months I've been like telling myself because mm-hmm. like in February I'm turning 25 Damn. and like for our generation it's like if you don't know what you're doing by 25 yeah. it's like you're, the world is over but yeah like, I definitely think like yeah. parents too they're like oh what are you doing especially yeah. if you work work in the arts it's like so what exactly do you do yeah. and you're like but I think like the yeah. most important thing for me that I've learned is like well like, you're talking about longevity and long term like nobody is like forcing you to Mm -hmm. like achieve things right now like we have Mm -hmm. all the time in the world and so like to end on that note like you have all the time in the world to accomplish everything that you're doing and like you've had like a phenomenal year so i can only expect even great more but yeah thanks for being studio one um it's been an absolute pleasure thank you this was joya guys hey hey studio one